TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Hello and welcome to a fresh new year. I hope you had a wonderful festive season and with any luck you're feeling revitalized after some time off rather than worn out after all the parties, events and running around. Some of you will still be in the thick of it right now with school holidays and just hang in there, I'm thinking of you. There's only a couple of weeks to go now, the end is definitely in sight. For this week's episode, I've decided to revive an old segment called Ask the Naturopath. It's a part of the show where I answer your most burning health questions. I love this segment because I get to find out what's really going on for you and what makes you, the listener, tick, and it tells me what information you really want to hear me talk about. If you had a question for a future episode as well, then please hit me up, email me at hello at julesgalloway.com or just drop me a line at my Facebook page because I will be definitely be doing more of these segments in 2018. Okay, let's get started. The first question is from Neen and she asks, what's the best way to increase calcium intake naturally? All right. Hi, Neen. First of all, if I was your practitioner, I'd be interested to investigate why you're concerned about calcium in the first place. Do you have any signs already of like that you're showing calcium deficiency or have you had some kind of test to confirm that your levels are low? Uh, maybe do you have a problem with your bone density? So that would be the first things I'd want to know. A lot of women come to me with concerns about calcium because they can't tolerate dairy and they're worried that they'll never get enough to keep their bones strong as they get older. So they kind of come to me kind of preempting the whole calcium thing before they become deficient. Now, there's a lot of calcium in dairy and in particular cow's milk. And for a long time, we've been told to eat three serves per day in order to fulfill our calcium needs. But Some people don't tolerate dairy well, and if their digestion doesn't deal with it, they're not going to absorb as much calcium as, say, someone who can eat dairy with no problems at all. Lucky people. (laughs) So for the people who can't have too much cow's milk products, we need to look at a couple of things. One, improve the digestion so the absorption of minerals is increased. And two, increase the sources of non-dairy calcium in the diet. Improving the digestion includes removing foods that you may be intolerant to in order to give the digestive system an opportunity to heal. We may choose to test for pathogenic bacteria and parasites at this time to see if there's a reason for your tummy issues. We may also look for signs and symptoms of nutrient deficiencies, not just calcium, and we'll supplement if we find you to be low. Then secondly, we need to eat more of the non-dairy foods which contain high levels of calcium. So these foods include, in no particular order, almonds, dark leafy green veggies, broccoli, buckwheat, eggs, soybeans, sardines, seeds, legumes, tahini and figs. So there's a fair few yeah, really yummy, delicious, good whole foods there that aren't from a cow that still contain really great levels of calcium. Now, if you can tolerate dairy, lucky you, that's great. By all means, have some, but make sure it's good quality dairy, organic if possible, definitely not that low fat crap that's got minerals added to it. 
you know, because they're never the good quality minerals that they add to these foods as far as I've ever seen. You might as well just take an El Cheapo calcium tablet instead. But I think it's also important to eat a variety of foods. So even if you are getting a lot of your calcium from cow's milk, it's good to include other calcium-rich foods as well so that you're getting your nutrient supplies from more than one place. Okay, And this goes for any vitamin or mineral. The same could be said for vitamin C, zinc or iron. It's good to mix up your sources. So mix up your dairy intake with some of the non-dairy forms that I mentioned. Ah, and... Don't forget vitamin D either. It's super important. I live in a very sunny climate where people spend a lot of time outdoors and I still see vitamin deficiencies even here. And when I was practicing in Melbourne, oh my God, it was rife. If you're having trouble absorbing calcium or if you're concerned about your bone density, get your vitamin D checked. I don't care how much sun you get, get your vitamin D checked. It's a simple blood test that can be done via your doctor or your naturopath. Some people have genetic issues that may prevent them from making as much vitamin D. So remember, vitamin D is actually a hormone. It's not a vitamin when it's produced in the body. In the body. So if you've got a family member who's got a history of low bone density or they've, maybe they've got issues with calcium, it may be worth also investigating the gene side of things and you might even want to consider doing a 23andMe style gene test with your naturopath to find out if you've got those extra challenges present in terms of producing the vitamin D. There's also some vitamin D in foods like uh, oily fish and eggs. They'd be the biggest two. The eggs, by the way, would need to be free range and the chickens need to be exposed to sunlight as far as I've heard. So making sure you include some of these foods in your diet can also help with your vitamin D levels. Okay, so next up, Sally asks, how to, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> How to clear recurrent blastoparasites in the gut, pretty please. I love the pretty please at the end. That's so good. Ugh. Okay, blasto is one of the hardest things to get rid of. First of all, for those of you who are about to Google what the F is blasto, I'll save you the trouble. Blasto is short for blastocystis hominis and it's a pesky little parasite that can live in our digestive systems and can cause all kinds of tummy troubles, usually things like IBS and diarrhea. So sorry for anyone who's eating right now, we're going to be talking about poo. Uh, blasto also has been linked to things like stomach cramps, nausea, bloating, excessive gas, low, uh, loss of appetite, weight loss, itchy bums, and even chronic fatigue. Uh, blasto is often picked up from contaminated water supplies. And in Australia, blasto loves to live in tank water. Overseas travellers are also exposed to blasto quite frequently, especially in countries where water quality and hygiene are not as good as what we have here. Bali, I'm looking at you. Now, there are two sides to the blasto coin. On one hand, it's so common in Australia and especially prevalent in the area where I live, I think that might be something to do with the amount of tank water we have here, that many doctors will tell you to just leave it alone. Honestly, they'll just say, oh, you got blasto. That's cool. Just leave it untreated. My very own GP told me that one in five people in Byron have it. Yep. I've been one of those one in five. Woohoo. So I'm in the blasto crew. Hey. And I think that was actually after a questionable carver ceremony in remote Fiji involving some tank water that had been sitting around for a little bit too long in dry season. Now, 
I have a bit of an issue with this notion of just leaving the blasto to sit there because blasto is not a commensal. That means it's not a bug that's supposed to be found in our digestive systems. So in that regard, I will often say let's get rid of it, especially if you're experiencing any of the symptoms I mentioned earlier and if you've been experiencing them for a while. So on to the fun part, dun, 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 how to get rid of this sucker. And believe me, I've done a lot of research on this one and taken my clients through several different types of protocols. There are lots of different styles of treatment for parasites, ranging from supporting the patient's gut and immune system while they go through antibiotic treatment to maintaining the bug solely with herbs and, sorry, not maintaining, I should say managing the bug solely with herbs and nutritional supplements. So each patient is different and the choices that we make, we make together and we do that depending on thing, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of factors, but they may include things like how long the person's been sick for, the range and severity of their symptoms. So like how many symptoms you've got, how long they've been going on for and how debilitating they are, how your body tends to respond to herbs in general. The current state of your gut, that's a really important one when choosing a treatment because if your gut's really strong, that's different to if your gut's not so good. The strength of your immune system, that's another one. And any other illnesses or diseases that we might need to take into account, you know, like do you have autoimmune issues going on? Do you have other stuff happening for you at the same time? As a general rule, though, I'll start with gut healing, always, always, always. If you launch into full throttle without paving the way for healing the gut first, you're more likely to experience some adverse symptoms and you don't want that. (laughs) You don't want it to get worse before it gets better if we can avoid it. So we usually do some work to heal and seal the gut first. So this is where I would usually look at products that contain things like glutamine and probiotics. Next, the herbs, and there are so many to choose from. There are a couple of great practitioner-only capsule formulations that have blends of herbs in them, but depending on the client, sometimes I make up a custom herb mix for them instead. It really just depends on the person. And again, how bad's the blasto? What are the symptoms that you're having? Uh, how's it affecting other, other systems in the body? So there's a lot to take into account, and that's why herbs are so amazing because we can tailor the herbal mixes for the individual person. That's what naturopaths love to do. Okay, so here's the clincher though. (laughs) It's a little bugger this one, but blasto can become resistant to using the same herb over and over. So in order to trick it into coming out and dying, really, we will often pulse the dose of herbs. So that's where you might take the herbs for a specific amount of days and then you rest for a specific amount of time without taking herbs and then you take the herbs again. And sometimes we'll change your herbs from cycle to cycle and use different products. So this month you might take this product and then you rest and then next month you take a different product so that the bug doesn't get used to taking the same thing. I often use extra products which help the herbs to work better as well, depending on how stubborn we think the infection is. Uh, One that comes to mind is something called SB, which stands for Saccharomyces boulardii. Uh, And look, it really, again, it depends on the case whether you need it or not. And look, if you're in a regional or rural area, we might also want to test your tank water to make sure it's not the source of the blasto because we also don't want you to become reinfected. There's no point in trying to eradicate this little beastie if it's coming out of your tap again the next month. So there's a lot of things to consider here. And this is why it's so hard to get rid of. 
During this time, it's also beneficial quite often to put the person on a special diet to starve the bugs as much as possible. Blasto loves carbs and sugars. So sometimes doing an anti-candida style of diet or a low-carb diet or a low-FODMAP diet might be in order for you as well. At the very least, you should really consider doing a gluten, dairy, and cane sugar-free protocol whilst you're waiting for the herbs and supplements to do their job. So as you can see, Blasto is a complex little sucker, so it's best to try and deal with this under the care of a qualified health professional that's had some experience with eradicating parasites. And yeah, there's, there's plenty of us out there. A lot of naturopaths see a lot of these sorts of things. Oh, and after you've got rid of him, it's all about gut healing, gut healing, gut healing. Of course, did we mention gut healing? We need to recolonize that gut with all the good guys to then keep you healthy as well. Oh yeah, and one more thing, gut healing. All right, I think you get the drift, yeah? Okay, now next, I had a bunch of questions about detoxing, which is not surprising as it's a really hot topic at this time of year. I mean, you know, New Year's resolutions, although if you've read my most recent blog post, you know how I feel about New Year's resolutions. I actually think they're you know, a bit of a waste of time. So yeah, if you're interested in knowing how I feel about them, just head to julesgalloway.com. There's a little rant over there for you. But yeah, I thought I would address it in this podcast because I had so many questions about it. Uh, Elisa says, uh, more adrenal fatigue and liver cleansing. There is so much conflicting info re-detoxing. Would love to hear your opinion. Haley asked, all about detoxing, please. When, how, supplements, how frequent? Louise asked, Love your posts on juice and detoxing. I'd love to hear more, especially with MTHFR not helping. Sam simply wrote, detoxing, juices, exclamation mark. All right, so you asked, I shall deliver. All right, look, it was such a hot topic that I'm wondering whether it's actually worthy of its own podcast or blog post further down the track. So, yeah, let me know what you think. Watch this space. If I get enough people saying yes, I'll cook something up for you. But in the meantime, with detoxing, there's so much to consider. But what I will say is this, I sometimes think we overcomplicate things when it comes to detoxing and detox diets. Back when I was studying to be a naturopath, a detox would simply consist of the following. A simple diet that was made only from whole foods and which was free from, you guessed it, gluten, dairy, cane sugar, Plus, we would also get rid of the red meat and any added chemicals. No alcohol, no coffee, green tea was allowed. We would often add some liver herbs and maybe some B vitamins. And we'd quite often include something to support the lymphatic system, the bowel and or the kidneys, often like an extra tea or a tincture. Oh, and it was a two-week minimum because that was the amount of time you needed to eliminate the old waste and reset your body. But you could go longer if you wanted. But two weeks was the bare minimum. None of this three-day crap. All right, that was it. So we'd tell our patients to eat a mostly vegetarian diet for two weeks with some fish or a little bit of organic chicken. That's it. Honestly, simples. These days, detoxing has become a multi-million dollar industry with all kinds of pills, potions, weight loss promises, and detox in a box options. They promise to cleanse you in three days, five days, seven days, 14 days. Seriously, it must be hard to know who to trust when it comes to information. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if they're selling you an expensive array of products, remember, detoxing doesn't need to be that complicated. 
I'll say it again, a whole food diet free from gluten, dairy, cane sugar, red meat, and any added chemicals, no alcohol, no coffee, and probably some liver herbs, B vitamins, and something to support the lymphatic system, the bowels, and or the kidneys. That's it. These days, there are some other lovely fancy supplements available for detoxing that are really good quality, including things that contain amino acids and specific products to weed out parasites and pathogens, just like that blasto bug mentioned before. But leave these to your naturopath to prescribe because if you choose the wrong products, I mean, it probably won't be dangerous, but it might just be money down the dunny. Now, on to the topic of juice fasts. Juice fasts are awesome. They really are. But I don't always recommend them for certain clients like active people, clients with blood sugar issues, or someone who has to take regular supplements on a full stomach and when it has to be a full stomach. Pyrol people with high amounts of zinc, I'm looking at you in particular. I think juice fasting is a beautiful thing, but in my experience, I've seen it at its most effective when combined with rest, maybe a bit of gentle yoga, perhaps some meditation or gentle walks on the beach, not when you're running around like a headless chook running errands, chasing toddlers or turning up to a stressful job. If you're doing your first ever juice fast, you might want to do it at a more relaxed time of your life. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I used to work on juice fasting retreats, so I'm a little biased because I saw some real magic happen there after people had been fasting for up to a week, and that was partly because it was a retreat, and the people were there in this beautiful environment that was conducive to healing, plus they combined the juice fast with other therapies like massage, yoga, and colonics, etc. Oh, and since there's a bit of a gut healing theme going on today, let's have a quick chat about doing some of this before you detox. If you have a leaky gut and you start detoxifying your liver, chances are you're going to feel worse before you feel better and you might feel worse for a few days as some of the stuff you're trying to get rid of is reabsorbed back into the bloodstream. For best results, don't rush into detoxing without doing a bit of gut repair first. I know at this time of year, people get really impatient and they're like, oh, it's now or never. I must start my detox diet on this date. But trust me, if you spend a couple of weeks doing gut healing stuff first, you'll thank me later. Why not go gluten, dairy, and cane sugar-free first to ease your body into this whole detox? And then also spend that time weaning off caffeine, alcohol, and junk food rather than going cold turkey and doing the whole lot at once. Then do the full detox. It's much kinder on your body and chances are it will lead to better outcomes. Side note, if you are looking at going gluten, dairy, and sugar-free in 2018, then I have an amazing mini program coming out in February, so keep an eye out for that. It's designed as a kickstart to adrenal healing, but part of it is is one week of just super healthy eating. So if that sounds like you, make sure you jump on my newsletter list because it's coming out really soon and then you'll be notified when the early bird special starts. So head to julesgalloway.com, look for the little bar that says worried about adrenal fatigue and then sign up for my weekly news. And as a bonus, you'll even get this really cool little one-page guide to adrenal health. Yay, it's win-win. Also, While you're online, check out my pumping Shiny Healthy You Facebook group. It's so much fun over there. So not my regular Facebook page. This is a Facebook group. You'll find it on Facey simply by doing a search for Shiny Healthy You. I'll also pop a link to it in the show notes. 
Okay, awesome humans. That's me done for another fortnight. I've got some kick-ass interviews coming up in the next little while, so stick around, hit subscribe, and I'll be back in your podcast app before you know it. In the meantime, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.